They ask me. They ask me actually about all these athletes actually. Apparently it's not one part of the strategy gone. Development. It's all we envelop in telephone. A wealth of intelligence. Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships Basking it in, let's study in the conferences Pac-12 and Big, 12 and the 10 SEC, ACC, win, 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 win It just kind of fades from there, that's good Yeah, they said like a minute, so Wait, there's more? Don't forget about the Mountain West The Mac that can flex, somebody is next Ivy League fresh, literally though Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test T- I'm serious, they will talk about the most obscure players on this planet. Potentially another planet. Like, dude's got a 4340 from Mars. Like, I don't know. It's too much. I'm done. I'm gone this time. Like, don't bring it back in. Enjoy your podcast. Alright, everybody, welcome back. This is Debbie Manual, episode number 40. We're going to have a Fun, fun little exercise tonight. We're going to do a 2020 class, 2021 class, 2022 class. We're going to throw them all together and do a mock draft. So kind of give you an idea of kind of like what some sites call cornerstone rankings, you know, where they have, they take each class and just mix them together and get you guys, give you guys an idea of how we see these couple classes fitting together. First up, I want to introduce my co-host, Mr. Joseph Namor. Joseph, how you doing, bud? I'm all right, Dwight. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Leave for Key West tomorrow, so I'm, I'm super excited. Get, it's supposed to be zero here this weekend, and I'm going to Key West, so I'm happy. Yeah. Good <laughs> to get into some warm weather for sure. Heck yeah. All right. We have a very special guest on tonight, Mr. Chad Parsons. Chad, how you doing, bud? Great. Thanks for having me on. Fun to draft and uh, new environment here. We'll get some analysis going for sure. Yeah, definitely, man. I've always listened to you guys, and I, I, what you guys do over there at UTH is awesome. I love Katie. Katie's like... I've been mixing it up with her a lot lately, so she, she's just awesome. And see, so you're also a 12 year vet. I want to thank you for your service. That's awesome. What was your MOS when you were in? Uh, I was a 42 Sierra pop quiz. No one, even people in the military, had never heard of that, which is a, uh, a special band musician. So definitely didn't fit in a basic training teaser. And, uh, <laughs> but but I was attached to an infantry unit there in Washington D.C. So I'm familiar with uh, cold weather, performing outdoors, and and all that good stuff. So you're going to like Florida. I will say here it's about 35 tonight. So uh, hopefully it warms up for you. I think it's supposed to be better by the time you're here. So <laughs> Yeah, it's supposed to be mid-70s in the Keys this weekend. So I'll take it. Yeah. yeah, I was in for a couple of years, and I was a 19 Delta. I was a Cav Scout. Uh, basically, we were targets. Um, we went in front and, 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 and saw the enemy and then got shot. That was, that was what you, our job was. Where did you do basic training? What's that? Where did you do basic training? Uh, Fort Knox, actually. No way! That's not a, a very common one. That was mine too. Yep. Yeah, we Excellent. did like a. And you know what? It means nothing because you don't see anything outside of the base. So you're like, where was it? I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. It's off of what highway? No idea. <laughs> all right, guys. Let's us. All right. Without any further ado, let's get rocking on this sucker here. We're gonna go super flex two tight ends. So hopefully we make tight ends worth something. Yeah, we're gonna go a couple rounds. We'll probably go three rounds. I think we got a good energy going tonight. I think we can go three deep on this sucker. What do you guys want to volunteer for first pick? I'll take it if no one wants it. All right, Chad, you're the guest. It's all yours, buddy. All right, 101 officially on the clock. I won't pull any punches. 
I'm going to go with my 101 from uh, from any format back in uh, last offseason, which is Jonathan Taylor. Um, just a monster on paper. Uh, I mean, he has few metric prospect peers. Uh, you know, you're talking about the the best of the last five, ten years. I thought it was quizzical and and pretty much a crime that he didn't go as running back one off the board. Imagine if he had gone to Kansas City, how you know the the situational storylines going into Week One would have been different. But he was a monster either way. I don't even know if Marlon Mack would have held him off for even half a season. So uh, he's right up there in my top two or three dynasty running backs and cornerstone player, cornerstone talent. Can't wait to watch him for the rest of his prime. Nice. He surprised me quite a bit there. I like it. Joseph, you want to take the 102, man? Do you do you have any disagreement with Jonathan Taylor, or would you go one of these big quarterbacks? I'm going to take a quarterback. Taylor is my number one skill position player that's not a quarterback on the board. Uh, he's my RB2 behind McCaffrey in Dynasty, so I like that pick. Uh, I will take the player I had as my QB3 in the 2020 rookie class, and I will take Justin Herbert at the 102. I love Joe Burrow and all the potential he shows. He seemed a little volume dependent to me. I know someone will get to him here shortly, um, but Herbert just passed every eye test with flying colors. Um, Came in starting, I believe it was week two, um, with like 10 minutes notice before the game. Really just surpassed all expectations um, the entire season. Has uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams to throw to. Hunter Henry's a free agent, but I just think at 22 or 23 years old, uh, with the arm talent and the mobility he shows, he's going to be a top five quarterback for me in my rankings for a long time. And I will take the proven or the the talent that I have seen show something uh, over some of these other exciting prospects coming up. I like it, man. Very spicy. I like it, man. So, all right, I'll, I'll go at 103 then. Um, I'll... I'll take Trevor Lawrence because I really do think he's a generational talent as a quarterback. I think um, you're getting a, he's getting a lot of flack right now. It seems like he's almost like the unsexy pick right now. You know, everybody's questioning what he can do. You know about the schemes and and he's not not get, he doesn't get the reads at Clemson and all that. I just I just don't see it. I think he's a very complete quarterback talent. I think he's going to be amazing in the NFL for a very very long time. And I'll, at 103, I think it's a no-brainer for me to take T-Law here. I don't know if you guys think I'm crazy about that. or Chad, what do you think about T-Law? I think it's fair. Um, I was gonna wait probably a couple more rounds uh, to you know of the of the three rotation here before I I dove into t- uh, Lawrence. Um, there is some I do wonder. I mean, this is more of a discussion in you know maybe 10, 15, 20 picks here. But uh, but I, I think it'll be interesting to see in superflex drafts this year of Lawrence versus the field or versus quarterback three four off of a rookie draft board. Because uh, if it's pronounced, if it's 101 versus like 110 or 201 or something, I think that's going to be a pretty exploitable arbitrage, you know, in terms of probabilities. I know, again, I- I'm right there thinking Lawrence is going to be great, but still the odds are not bulletproof even from 101. So it'll be interesting to see if other top 10 quarterbacks have a pretty decent spread there. And, you know, I mean, that difference in price could be pronounced and exploitable. I do have a little questions about Jacksonville. I mean, I think they're building something decent there, but they don't still have the greatest track record over the last, you know, what, 25, 30 years they've been a franchise. So 
Yeah. Well, Lawrence is a, I mean, he should be a franchise changer, right? Like Andrew Luck, when he came in, I mean, the Colts, it's not like, you know, I mean, they had Peyton Manning, they took a year off, they got Andrew Luck. And just, I think you kind of, if you're the goods, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson, these other types, they're going to make their own situation, I I think. So we'll see. Well, um, you know, I I don't think the, the team or the logo will hold them back per se. So I'm a, I'm up 104 here, and this is an interesting one. Uh, I think I'm going to, seeing how the tiers are stacking up for me, I'll go Justin Jefferson uh, as the first, uh, first wide receiver here. Um, what he did as a rookie, I almost said NFL freshman. You know, we're thinking, we're thinking <laughs> Debbie. You start saying freshman instead of rookie season. But, uh, but Jefferson came out of the gate, and it was, it was Odell Beckham-like to a certain degree of just instant. I, I still remember thinking, wow, he's the number three guy to Ola B.C. Johnson week one. That changed in a, in, in a hurry. And um, the fact that he's locked in with Kirk Cousins, we'll see if Kirk Cousins get, gets moved or something like that. But for now, he's locked in. Um, he pretty much turned into the 1A, 1B with uh, Adam Thielen right away. Um, and just he's on a track to have, you know, three, four on average, maybe even more wide receiver one seasons. And he was a 21-year-old. You have the, the entire future. He's just on such a great historical success track. Um, and again, a wide receiver position that can be tough to really find that type of ceiling and that type of early career trajectory. So Jefferson kind of bucked all that, and he still has round one pedigree to boot. So um, he's going to be my 104 here. If you watched him in college, you saw the talent, you know, and to see it transition so quickly to the NFL was just amazing. So, all right, Justin, or Joseph, sorry, Joseph, who do you got at 105? I will go ahead and double up on the quarterback position. I will take uh, Joe Burrow here. Uh, not something I expected to be doing uh, going in here. I thought I would probably land Justin Jefferson, but I'll take Burrow, just positional scarcity in a super flex format. I am a little concerned about the offensive line in Cincinnati, um, but I really like the weapons he has around him. They have a good running back. They have a good trio of wide receivers. Uh, well, they have a good duo of wide receivers. AJ Green's kind of washed up at this point, uh, and they need a tight end. But I think I like the uh, infrastructure they're building there, and they should be able to get, whether it's a, an elite offensive tackle talent or another wide receiver at the number five pick, in this draft and i just think the longevity at the quarterback position uh with a player that was picked uh first overall uh at 105 here seems like a safe pick even if it's not the highest ceiling pick all right i'm gonna go jamar chase here i I really do like jamar chase a lot and i think he's going to make an instant impact in the nfl just he's got the good size the the alpha dog mentality is what impresses me most about him i love the wide receiver that plays with that attitude you know, the fight that he has for the ball, the fight he has when he gets anywhere anywhere near a target. I mean, he just, I love that there. He doesn't get the separation. You know, you keep hearing about separation, separation. You know, he's not as good as the separation. But I just, it doesn't matter. Like, he just outmuscles everybody when he gets near the ball. And I, I, have, I think he's going to be a true game changer, like, for whatever team he lands on. I, I keep seeing him going to to. Cincinnati, which would be really interesting, although I really, really want Sewell because of the offensive line, like you mentioned. But Chase is just – this is tough, man. This was really, really tough. You guys put me in a corner on this one as well. So it was either Chase or, like, several running backs, and I think any of them could come back around to me at nine. So I'll take Chase here just for the – I think he's going to be an elite wide receiver. 
Yeah, I love I love uh, Jamar Chase. Um, I think he'll go in the top ten. We'll see about maybe top five ish uh, this year. Uh, but yeah, I think it's out of sight, out of mind with him. You know that because he didn't play this year. If he had played, you know, and kind of logged the season he had the year before, or if the draft was twelve months earlier, I mean, I think we'd be singing a different tune, and people wouldn't be trying to pick him apart quite as much. I mean, he was on a such a great trajectory through two seasons, um, and again, really young prospect that pretty much did everything you wanted at eighteen and nineteen year old. Uh, check marks there. Um, I'm going to uh, go to running back. Uh, you kind of alluded to it, Dwight. Um, I'm going to go to Cam Akers. Um, I, he was my running back too behind Taylor of this this class, and I. You know, at moments, you know, especially that mid mid season part where he was barely playing, he got injured a little bit. But you saw late in the year, sort of what he's capable of, the trajectory he can get on, and I think he's gonna. I mean, you saw basically Daryl Henderson didn't even play. You know, what was kind of the theme there. So I think we're gonna see a workhorse. Matt Stafford being there is just a, a nice bonus here early in the off season. And we haven't really seen Akers be used as much as I think he should be as a receiver. So, again, he's got the athleticism. He runs big for his size. Two-way player, dynamic speed. Uh, I think we're going to see a guy that that puts up a bunch of big weeks as a cornerstone element of an offense that I think we're going to see unlocked a little bit with Matt Stafford. Um, so, again, he was my running back, two over Edward Solaire and, and, and all the other big five backs from this past year. So, success track, uh, elite historical profile, and I'll take him at seven. It was so nice to see him hit the ground running and see what he could do because watching him at Florida State was one of the most maddening things I've ever seen in my life. Like, it was frustrating, just so frustrating. One of the few guys where he actually goes to the NFL and he's like, oh, this is easier. (laughs) (laughs) Joseph, who you got at 108? I thought I was going to get Cam Akers, uh, and I thought that was the easy pick. He's in a tier with a couple other guys here for me. I don't know which one I'm going to take. I will take DeAndre Swift. I like him just about as much as someone that will probably come off the board really soon. I'm a little nervous about the general offensive situation in Detroit, but Swift was my pre-draft RB1, um, just barely ahead of Jonathan Taylor, and I think he has a three-down skill set. I expect him to get fed the rock a lot this year depending on whether or not they bring back Adrian Peterson. Um, I think he should get fed the rock regardless of whether they bring back Adrian Peterson, but that's not really up to me. Swift feels like the type of player that a Dan Campbell-led team would want to build his offense around, so I would expect him to face a lot of stacked boxes this coming year, but um, he flashed a lot in his rookie season. I think he has uh, elite traits, and I will bet on the talent here, uh, even though I don't really like his offensive situation that much. That leads, leads me up at 109. I'll take Najee Harris here. I know the age is going to be an, an issue, but I, this kid's got a good four or five years in him. And I love he's, he's going to fit right in the NFL. I think he's going to hit the ground running. Top 10, top 12 running back right off the bat if he lands on the right team. I know uh, he was with um, Miami on the side. They, they had him working off on the side of the, of the senior bowl. Sorry trouble putting words together here that would be a good fit there i mean they need someone like that in that offense i think he's a tough runner he's a smooth pass catcher I mean, he's good enough pass catching uh just a big guy that can handle a true nfl workload uh takes care of the ball blocks you know he just does a little bit of everything not the flashiest guy in the world but you know he's gonna get you a good four or five seasons so i'll take Najee harris here at 109 
Well, I am glad you clarified my decision because uh, I, I, I thought it was going to be interesting if you took someone else. I was going to think Najee Harris versus someone else. So not to not to tip off future picks or anything, but it was going to be pretty interesting on do I it's one of those things where it tests your rankings, right? Like so if you actually get into a draft like this and you go, all right, this player or, or you know, an incoming rookie and you really haven't faced that decision yet you know, having to say it, you know, on a, on a show, defend your point, And it might, you might have to go back and, and change your rankings, you know, if you, depending on what you pick there, but uh, you, you left JK Dobbins for me. So I'll, I'll take him here at, uh, at 10, you know, I'll just keep taking 2020 running backs, big time class. Um, I do have some questions about the ultimate ceiling. I'm not a big Lamar Jackson fan. Um, also, I, JK Dobbins is a great receiver. When will that be unlocked? I have, I'm skeptical. It's going to be this coming year, but what he does on his limited sample size, and you're going to get Ingram, who wasn't a big factor, gone. Gus Edwards, I think, is underrated. But I think you're going to see, you know, 60-40, 65-35. I mean, J.K. Dobbins is a dynamic playmaker. And as long as Lamar Jackson is keeping the backside open um, in terms of those running lanes, I, th- I think Dobbins has an immense rushing ceiling. I think the big question is, does he level off with a 25 catch ceiling on a season? 35. He's capable skill wise of 50 plus, 60 plus, but I just don't think that offense, what like a wide receiver one, same thing with receiving upside from a running back. I don't know if it's going to be over high. So that's going to, it's more of a talent bet. Um, as I, I, I think if he were unlocked, he has as much side, upside as any of these guys. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, toward the end of the season there, they had a couple games where he, you started to see that that full workload, you know, like give it to him, give it to him, maybe give it to him, but they didn't. So, all right, Joseph, what you got, man? Um, Dobbins was the guy I was debating when I took Swift, um, but the receiving cap on his ceiling is what led me to take Swift, who I think could easily catch forty plus balls in the role that he's going to be given this upcoming season. So, with the tenth, eleventh pick here. I will take Antonio Gibson, which is not the next player on my board, and he's not the second next player Uh-oh. on my board. But um, I'm deviating from what I had laid out here. I'll take Gibson. Omaha, Omaha. Uh, <laughs> I just, I think everyone saw the flashes that he showed at Memphis, uh, but I think anyone that projected him as an NFL bell cow right off the bat is lying to themselves or everyone else. But clearly after one year in the NFL, he's shown that he can do it. Uh, He's obviously a very good pass catcher because he played wide receiver in college. He has the size and the frame to excel on the goal line. I think we saw that on Thanksgiving and a number of other games, although a lot of them were against the Cowboys. And I, I just think we could see uh, a huge jump in Washington's offensive production if they ever get uh, a capable quarterback under center there. Love Alex Smith and his comeback story, uh, but he is not even close to the same player he was uh, pre-injury. And uh, I think just getting uh, a player there that can unlock a downfield passing game will help the running game as well. So really like what Gibson did in year one and excited about his future. Uh, that's my pick here. Yeah, I almost took him at nine because, yeah, I wish they would. What's what's weird is that he, I thought he was going to be better at pass catching than running, and Washington has rarely used him at that. So if they if they right. ever unlock unlock that Pandora's box, I think they could really unlock like, like a really damn good player. So, All right, guys, I'm going to go oh, CeeDee Lamb here. I'll go CeeDee. 
Um, CD was the guy in the in last year's class that I thought had the most potential to be like a true wide receiver one overall. Um, I do think he's going to work his way into getting even more targets in Dallas. I think that you know Cooper Gallup are always going to be there. You know, I, I just don't know. I, I see CD taking over that game, over the passing game, the lion's share of the targets, whatever you want to call it. And I see him establishing himself as the, as a true alpha receiver. And uh, as I said with Chase, he does a lot of this. He's the same thing. You know, he's got the get up, get up, get after the ball. You know, he catches everything thrown in his direction. I love his hands, though. He uses the sidelines, uh, red zone monster. So I think C.D. Lamb has got, I said last year when I was evaluating the class that I thought he was the only wide receiver in the class that could be a, the true wide receiver one. And I still stand by that. So I'll take CD Lamb here at 112 to wrap up the first round. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see Dak Prescott healthy, and we saw for four, six weeks of what that means for Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup. And if they're near that level again and Dak Prescott is healthy for most of the season if, or all the season, it's going to be pretty exciting about the Dallas offense overall, whether it's Lamb, Gallup, you know, all these ancillary pieces, Zeke getting back on track. I think there's just a lot of – fantasy juice there that, that I think people are generally underrating. Um, kicking off the second round, uh, 13 overall. And uh, again, this is a guy that I think has fallen too hard uh, this off season. Uh, the first year did not go as planned as intended for a lot of people's 101, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, um, where they bring in Le'Veon Bell. I kind of liken it to they bring in Le'Veon Bell just like they bring in Leonard Fournette in Tampa Bay of a contender. You don't plan on a player being available that late in the offseason. Well, he was, and it was a factor. Uh, Damien Williams was also an opt-out. But Edwards Hilaire, for as much as I bagged on him as a prospect, and I thought he was overdrafted, I still think they should have drafted any of the other running backs for the Chiefs there late in the first round, that Edwards Hilaire showed well enough you know that he is a dynamic player in a short area can make you miss he doesn't have the long speed um you know and we we saw that play out in the nfl when he had open field opportunities he's tracked down a lot quicker than other guys um but again he can catch the ball well and and within that offense if he is closer to the guy i mean he was still a running back two this year and he still does have a top five top ten ceiling uh with just a little more usage and i think as a 21 year old you need to give them Ronald Jones is a good example of that on the low end of just you're going to see better days even if they get off to a slow start. So he has the pedigree. He's got the age. He's got the skill set for that offense. Um, and I think you're going to see development from him in year two, year three. To get the only first round running back in last year's draft in the NFL's best offense in the second round of a draft yeah. here is just really good value. And I mean, outside of failing to convert a couple goal line carries, in week one of last year, he did nothing to show that he didn't belong. Um, so I think that's a great value pick. With the 202, I am going to get spicy. Um, this, just to clarify, uh, this is a two tight end draft and not a uh, tight end, pre- like a two tight point tight end premium. It's as close we can make tight ends to worth something as we can. So, <laughs> All right, then with 202, I am taking Kyle Pitts who I think will be as close to um, a top five tight end uh, the second he's drafted as we've seen in some time. He's just an absolute mismatch mismatch nightmare. Um, really could be considered a wide receiver in this draft, uh, will, but will be schemed opportunities like an oversized uh, wide receiver. 
uh, out of the slot. He'll get some inline opportunities, even though he's not really a great blocker. And he's going to get top 10, top 12 draft capital, I would assume. He's just a player I'm really excited about. And in this format, um, I think he's good value. Joseph, here. you're questioning you're questioning with Dwight about like, so this is two tight end. Because he said, he told me it was two PPR. And then in the opening of the draft, he said it was two tight end. And I wanted to clarify because I would have probably taken pits before this. But I felt if I asked, I would have been giving away position and giving away tactics. <laughs> Tip in your hand. So I was trying to get Edwards Alaire. I was trying to slip it through one more round. And I, I think I sniped you yep. a couple of times, Joseph, but you just sniped me big time. Yep. That one hurts. Yeah, I, I had pits at the end of my second round because I didn't think it was too tight end. Exactly. Uh, now, knowing it is, uh, I bumped Dwight, up Dwight is pulling a, bit, a uh, pulling a Michael from the office where it's like, what do you do in negotiations? <laughs> you changed the rules. You changed the location of a meeting at the last <laughs> exactly. minute. Dwight just goes, all right, it's three tight end. Go. And, he's, and all of a sudden, he's like, 103, I don't know what you guys are doing. I'm taking Kyle Pitts. <laughs> and I'm sorry, man. Sorry for that. Uh, and not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. I, I'm going to go with Justin Fields here. I, I'm still not 100% sold on him as a prospect. I think there's a lot of things to love about Justin Fields. He does have a pretty good touch on his ball. He throws really good at anticipation, things like that. I just worry a little bit about... The lapses he had, like toward the end of this season, and then his games versus Indiana and Northwestern, he looked a little, yeah, you know. But then he certainly turned it around in the the first BCS game. I'm having drawn a blank against who it was even against Clemson, wasn't it? Yeah. And then um, he, he looked a little, yeah, during the Alabama game. But I still think he's got a lot of the tools you look for: the mobile quarterback with a good arm. Yeah, I'm hoping he lands on a team that won't start him right away, but he probably is going to be started right away, especially if he's taken second or third. So I like a lot about what he has and what he brings to the table. I'm still not, like I said, I'm not 100% sold on him, but I do think that it's there. You know, the talent is definitely there. And this is a super flex, so I'll take Justin Fields at 203. I've been shut out of quarterback so far. Now we'll start a, we'll start a game. Will Chad get one? We will see. Tune in at 11. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Brandon Ayuk. He is one of my dudes, and uh, here at 204, um, I mean, he's a round one guy. He comes in and right away, despite missing a little bit of time, we had a cross section in the middle of this season. And remember, you know, the Twitter wars of whoever flashed for a game or two of the rookies. It was like dynasty wide receiver one dynasty wide receiver one. So you had about three or four of those, uh, you know, false launch, uh, you know, moments for, for these rookies, but Brandon, Ayuk quietly, and, and I still, I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo fan and look at what he dealt with. Brandon Ayuk did with, with the, the quarterbacks for the 49ers. I mean, it was not overly pretty. There's talk that they're going to be in maybe on Kirk cousins. They can pretty much get out of Garoppolo for almost no dead cap and no ramifications financially, which I would be looking forward to what the moment Ayuk was drafted. I said, he's going to go take whatever job you think Debo Samuel has. He's going to take that job. Uh, he is the wide receiver one. And he pretty much walked in um, and showed exactly that. So with Brandon Ayuk, second year player now first round pedigree and the track he was on top 24 point per game season in year one, uh, his trajectory uh, again is a very high floor and a high ceiling one. We were actually talking about that before you came on. So, <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I knew. So I listened to you and Jordan. I knew I wasn't going to get Ayuk in this draft based on your conversation from the pod. Oh, that's right. The football the guys won where um, I, I dropped it that he's a top 10 yep. receiver for me. Yeah, that, that one kind of yep. gave me away. Yeah. 
Do you have any concerns about the offense being more crowded with Kittle and Debo actually back and healthy next year? Well, I mean, I, I'm high on Ayuk. I love him for all the same reasons you listed, but yeah. that's my one hesitation. Yeah, I mean, Kittle was hurt a little bit. Again, to me, Debo Samuel is a manufactured touch player. So you don't see him running traditional wide receiver, full route tree type stuff. So the who's the alpha there? Uh, again, it's it, to me, it's Ayuk, and it's not particularly close. And I look at it this way. Poor quarterback play. If you get a better, you know, you raise the tide of the whole passing game, everyone benefits. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, Kittle going down the seam, what does that open up? It'll open up a slant route for Brandon Ayuk. So, you know, it opens up everything for everyone. And I just think that is one of the three or four fantasy offenses. You get a better quarterback, and I think it's coming. I think we're seeing that allegiance to Garoppolo fade, and this is probably the offseason that that turns over. Um, that, uh, again, I think there's immense upside and potential from that offense because they do have strong skill positions. Joseph, you're up at 205, bud. I really don't want to take another quarterback. <laughs> I sense you're going um, to. And I really don't want a lot Chad of good wide receivers to there. land a single quarterback. So I'll leave one. Uh, I will take T. Higgins here, just barely ahead of uh, someone in this year's class. Spoiler alert. But I think Higgins will pair with Joe Burrow on my fictional team here. I think Higgins is the alpha in that offense. I think we saw that at some points during the season. Um, as Chad mentioned, he was uh, one of those names that was floated as, is he the new wide receiver one? And I don't think it was overall, but I think he definitely challenged for the wide receiver one position in this class uh, at some point this year, whether that was really warranted or not. But I think Higgins uh, is a top 15 to 20 dynasty receiver for me. Just barely missed out on first round draft capital, but uh, profiles as that prototypical wide receiver one on an NFL team. Uh, I think we could see him get a significant uptick in targets if they just funnel a few of those targets from AJ Green over to Higgins. I also think Higgins faded as the year went on, especially after Burrow went down. And I think a full year of competent quarterback play and being tied to Joe Burrow, at least for the next three to four years makes Higgins both a safe and high upside play for me. All right, I'll go the new hotness at 206. I'll take Javante Williams here. Um, just because of the running back scarcity of position, there's a ton of wide receivers that I like, but I feel like the ones that I can get, you know, at 9, 12, you know, third round, all that are just, there's a lot of wide receivers left that I really love. So I'll take Javante Williams. I'm hopeful he lands in a really good landing spot that will give him a chance to be a three down back. I think he's one of the few you know, the few running backs in this draft class that have that capability. Man, he's just so much fun to watch. He's got that great size at, is it six foot? Two, 210 or two, 220, I think. I'm drawing a blank on him for some reason. Yeah, he's, I think, 5'11", 220, something. Right, yeah, number. right there. Like the prototypical beautiful size. And this year, you just saw the, the big runs that he breaks off, the insides, the patience he runs, inside, outside. He's not as smooth of a pass catcher, but he is really good at passing – very dynamic pass catcher. So it's fun to watch his meteoric rise this year. Like I, I kind of, as a film watcher, caught it like in the first couple games. You're like, holy, wow, look at this kid. You know, like, and you just, and as the year went on, and you, you're just, I, I'm in love with both of the North Carolina running backs, honestly. But I think Javante Williams has got the higher chance of being that guy that can have 25, 30 touches a game and 
be very, very good with it and could be a top 10, 12 running back in the NFL. So, Chad, I haven't heard. What do you think of Javante? I haven't, don't have heard you. Uh, I thought it was interesting. You took Williams. Um, I'm more of an ETN guy, you know, beyond Najee Harris. I mean, I think ETN is Harris than, you know, Javante Williams is closer to ETN, just to kind of paint a, a picture there. I would be curious where you think Williams is going to go in the draft. Like, what's his reasonable range? I think he's mid-second. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it might be, you know, in that 50 to 75 overall range. You know, somewhere in that later round two, early round three. Um, ETN still has plenty of mock drafts. I know there's some, like, film movement on Twitter that, you know, ETN now is horrible and watch out. You know, he, he's going to shy away from contact and all this stuff. I mean, he has really great comps. He's a strong two-way producer. And he's going to, I mean... You don't really need to see him work out. He's a legit track guy. I mean, he could be in the four threes. I think low four fours like is going to be his floor. So this guy can go. I mean, he is a legit breakaway touchdown threat passing game and running game. And I think he's, he's some iteration uh, of Alvin Kamara in a lot of capacities on how he could be used as a dual threat player in the NFL. So I don't think it's a given Najee Harris is the first running back off the board. I think ETN's going to be a top 45 NFL draft pick. I think there's a chance he's in the first round, you know, in the twenties, like, like Najee Harris, I think will ultimately be in that zone as well. Um, so again, I think, I, I think ETN's profile is a strong one uh, to invest. And, you know, I had him, you know, a decent amount above Javante Williams uh, just for this point at 207. I have them like, like razor sharp edge difference. I love both of them. Like ETN was my one going into the year, you know, and then I think he also kind of suffered from the, the Trevor Lawrence, you know, you almost, you get pelted with somebody for so long, you know, of how good they are and how good they are. And then you just start to nitpick all the things that you, you know, and coming back for your senior year, I mean, it doesn't always work out like Najee Harris where, you know, you blow the doors off. I always like to say, you know, I mean, it was a strange year. You had COVID. All these programs were, you know, just reacting and maybe under different, uh, you know, under a different feel this year, let's just say, in terms of practices and, and just overall environment. So not everyone, I think, was going to benefit, you know, and, and have their best season for sure. And and that could be factored, you know, in with, I always say, you know, a down year by, by some of these prospects in 2020 you might not want to you know uh, downplay them as much as you would you know two years ago or three years ago when everything was kind of normal weird year all right joseph what you got at 208 um that is a good question i thought i was going to get etn there i mean just to touch on what we were just chatting about i mean to me uh, etn was rb1 coming into this year and i thought there wasn't much else i wanted to see him do uh, I think improving as a receiver, even though the numbers were there in 2019, uh, was something I wanted to see from him. He definitely checked that box for me. But Harris was a distant RB2 coming into the year for me, and I think he improved by leaps and bounds, uh, it, which is what is hurtling him up over the known asset in, in Travis Etienne. So I liked that pick there. I think he's going to get very strong draft capital, which... I mean, I'm a Debbie guy. I like watching film. I like crunching numbers. But if you just threw everything out and drafted your rookie drafts based on the NFL draft, you would have a decent shot at coming out all right. And I think ETN's going to be the first or second running back off the board. Uh, so to get him as RB3 in this coming class based on what we have in this mock, I think is good value. So with 208... I will not take a quarterback. I will take uh, Devontae Smith, who 
Uh, we've talked about on this pod before. I think anyone that's watched college football this year knows his name, knows who he is, what he does, and what the concerns are. The concerns are the frame and the play strength. I think he could definitely come in sub 170 pounds. And really the concern is that we haven't seen many players like him. So I I think if you want to point to a low BMI and whatever the case uh, being causes for concern, I think that's valid. But I also haven't seen many players um, of his ilk get drafted inside the top 10, which he almost certainly will. Um, So I will go with the draft pedigree. I'll go with the Heisman Trophy winner. And I just think he's a really good football player. He may not have the highest ceiling because I think he's probably close to maxed out um, from a technical and physical standpoint. But I think he's just a really solid football player and feels like good value here. I saw a really funny tweet from from Thor who said to post a pick of your all-time favorite draft prospect who didn't work as expected in the NFL. And um, someone put on there a picture of Devontae Smith. I was like, who is this Chad Parsons guy? That happened. Yeah, I, I just think he's the most fascinating storyline, you know, of the top prospects. He, who doesn't get their height and weight taken at the Senior Bowl? That's unheard of. And then I think of it this way. Okay, so let's say he's going to come in at like 161. Let's just play this out. So he, in his mind, his agent says, well, just don't weigh in. So is he going to weigh in at the pro day? And then here's the other thing. If he packs on a bunch of artificial weight so that he can step on a scale and say, see, I'm bigger. No matter what, he's going to be small, right? I like the, the chances if he's played at like 160s, 172, whatever it is for years. And he's sort of maxed out in, in with his frame. How the heck is he going to be like suddenly 180 pounds in two months or whatever? That would be my question. And here's the other thing. If he puts on a bunch of weight, is he going to work out? Because then you're trying you're trying to actually play your best, move your best when you're now playing at a weight you've never played at before. So I think it's almost like he should treat it like he's a 1995 running back prospect that goes top five where you don't do anything. Like you're Ricky <laughs> Williams, you're all these other guys where you just like watch the tape, bro. Just watch the tape. Don't even don't you don't you just watch the tape. I won the Heisman. I was the first wide receiver in X number of years to win the Heisman. Don't even talk to me. I don't care if I'm 148 pounds or 212. Just watch it. I burn everybody. That's what I would do because I think if he if he weighs in and then doesn't run like he just I, I feel like he can't win at this point in terms of all that stuff anyway just did a, a huge write-up on him and I think my ultimate decision was I think he's going to be a decent wide receiver too you know I mean that's probably the ceiling you know they're going to have to generate touches for him to make sure he doesn't he can't keep going over the middle that's for damn sure he did that a lot at Alabama and you cannot do that in the NFL at that weight all right, I'll take it 209 here. I'll go with Rashad Bateman, who's my wide receiver three in this class. I just love the great all-around skill set that he has. I think he's a good route runner. He wins early, creates separation, tracks deep balls well. I saw this year a little bit. He let balls get in on, get into him a little more than I like to see. But he's just a really good, solid wide receiver. Not going to be the most dynamic guy in the world, but I think he'll get pretty good draft capital. I think probably into first, second round, I would think. I know that's about where you think, Chad, you think he's a second-round guy? Uh, I think he's got a chance for a first round. So, I mean, if, if four or five guys go, I mean, I think he's right in that range. And what I always say is, man, you go in the later first round, what do you probably get? Better offense, better quarterback. It's not a bad scenario there. So, I, I think Bateman's kind of – I feel like Bateman's kind of a safe pick, you know. Like, I, I could go with the upside of Waddle or more, you know. But I think Bateman's just a little more safe here, and I'll take him. 
Bateman's a big Devi guy from the past couple of years. And I'm kind of surprised that now we get to actual rookie. Here he is. You know, it's almost like the present is ready to be delivered at the party. And people are now like, oh, Rashad Bateman. Eh, he's not that good. I find that interesting where they can have better Devi appeal. And yet he really didn't do anything wrong. Um, this is going to be my first, like, let's call it a splurge pick. Let's call it my guy. Um, if we were doing this draft in wins NFL free agency, uh, whatever that is, uh, if we were doing it after free agency, this guy probably would have been gone. Uh, if, if, if my projections occur, I'm going to go with AJ Dillon, uh, here at 210 because I, this was, he's an animal. Uh, he's the closest thing I've seen to Derrick Henry in a while as a prospect. Of course, you got to be 235, 240 plus pounds to ride this ride. So uh, that, that already limits the field to almost nobody. But A.J. <laughs> Dillon is a monster. You saw that in sporadic moments with the Packers. The only thing he needs is Aaron Jones not to be there. That's all he needs to be one of the breakout guys for next year. And it's going to be laughable, you know, to go back and listen to this and the fact that he, he goes 210. So that's the one thing. So I don't think Green Bay, they, I think they've already made their best offer to Aaron Jones. I think he wants to get to free agency. I think another team is going to pay him decent amount more. And frankly, Aaron Jones should chase the money because this is the one chance he has. And, and Green Bay is not going to give him the best price. He's going to go somewhere else. I'm not, you know, is he going to be successful or not? I don't know. But I know A.J. Dillon will be with the keys uh, to that run game for the Green Bay offense. It's going to be like late career John Elway and, and some of these and Peyton Manning and stuff where they start leaning on the run game, you know, and I think Dillon can be a 300 plus touch player next year. That's going to be pretty dangerous to potentially lead the league in touchdowns. Dylan was like way further down my board and I'm not really sure why because um, I don't really expect Jones to be back in Green Bay either. With this pick, I will take a player that I had in my top 12 uh, ranked players. I will take Tua. I am very concerned about uh, a number of things we saw this year. Basically, it seemed like they had a different playbook when he was under center than when Ryan Fitzpatrick was, and they were uh, dinking and dunking the way down the field with him. Uh, he didn't seem to be... Uh, basically, at Alabama, everyone was wide open, and he made the right reads all the time, uh, but he didn't really need to be pulling the trigger into tight windows and didn't have any wide open throws in Miami. So I'm a little concerned. I'm also concerned about the Deshaun Watson trade rumors. I don't know if Miami is necessarily the favorite, uh, but if it is, I would have to assume that Tua is part of the trade that goes back to Houston, and I do not want any part of the Houston situation. But Tua was a top five pick in the NFL draft. Um, I still think he is a tremendously talented quarterback, and I think the further out we get from his hip injury, the more confidence he'll have in it, and maybe that will um, kind of let him open things up a little bit more. So to get him towards the back half of the second round in a super flex draft at this point uh, feels like a decent value pick for me. I do have concerns, but I think his upside uh, is really uh, as a, a high-end QB1. So that's my pick here. Too many people are giving up on him too much, and I'm not ready quite yet for that. So I'll take the first 2022 player. I'll take Brees Hall here. I think he's the top running back, like, and it's not even close for 2022. I like the like his build at six foot two fifteen. He's got that strong base, strong lower body. I'd like to. I wish he had a little more of the elite speed that you like to see when he gets out in the open. He does get caught from behind at times, 
but he has a really the way he runs. He runs with good like his contact balance. He cuts well. He catches the ball well. He's had close to twenty five catches both of his first two seasons uh, on a offense that I mean at times was just totally stacking the box against him because their offense was Brock Purdy, other than him. So. Yeah, Brees Hall this year got to see, you know, he was just impressive. Like he, I, I don't think it's anywhere close. So I think, I think I'll take the first 2022 guy with Brees Hall here. Oh, this is where it gets fun and interesting. <laughs> this is the first time I really haven't had clarity. The whole time you were talking, and again, great analysis, but I had to focus on who am I going to take next? I think I have about five choices. Um, could I break the seal on my, my running back, uh, sorry, my quarterback room, potentially? Um but that's not what my values show. My values show that I should be going wide receiver here. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to go wide receiver. Um, this one is the closest vote yet. Like I mentioned, I'm going to go with Chase Claypool. Um, and going into the draft, this is actually one of my Mia Culpas that it was a, for his price, he was like a late second, maybe even early third round rookie pick last year. And that really should have been, considering the players around him, should have been a strong uh, target player uh, based on, I mean, if you talk to Chad from five years ago, especially, like this was the exact profile he loved. The big athletic guy, he went top 50 in the NFL draft and he comes into a crowded wide receiver room and he had two, three monster games uh, where you're like, who's this guy? Uh, 235 plus pounds, rangy, and you know he's a tough cover. And with Juju Smith-Schuster gone this year, um, that I just think you clear out that room. Ben Roethlisberger, I think, will be back. And he's a jump ball maven. He was a top 35, top 40 guy in per game uh, production as a rookie. And from day two, that is a really strong success rate for a guy that his ceiling is top 12. His ceiling is a wide receiver one alpha and we'll see if he gets there. This is a boom-bust pick, but when you get later in the draft, you got to make boom-bust picks because they're the ones that can come home all the way. And if we were doing this draft in a year, he might go 15, 20 picks higher. I mean, that's absolutely possible uh, with what his ceiling is. So Chase Claypool is on that boom-bust spectrum. I wanted to see more from him at Notre Dame, but he cleared a lot of that up by performing early in the NFL. Claypool is a guy I also probably should have been higher on. I think... I got burned by seeing what Miles Boykin did or didn't do in year one. And I, I thought they were, I, I liked Claypool more than I liked Boykin, but seeing Boykin do literally nothing at first kind of pushed me off Claypool. Should have realized the stronger draft capital, better organization with a strong track record of drafting wide receivers, size, speed, freak, all of those things. So like that pick here. I will go with um, a player that is really outside of what I typically target. Uh, I will take James Robinson, um, an undrafted free agent running back uh, in the third round here. I don't know if the new regime is going to uh, draft a running back that they like, but I think Robinson showed pretty much all he could have in year one uh, to prove that he can be a foundational running back in the NFL. Uh, he was a player I liked a lot coming out of Illinois State. Um, I had him as a top 50 rookie in the class prior to going undrafted. Um, so I did really like him. But my worry with him was that he wasn't going to get draft capital. That came to fruition and ultimately ended up not mattering uh, due to the release of Fournette. Reichwell Armstead's unfortunate COVID situation and Divino Zigbo just not really being 
much of anything. Um, so he had virtually no competition for the entire season, uh, which is a concern of mine because the Jaguars will almost certainly add to that running back room. Uh, but I do think that Robinson is should be the clear-cut uh, running back one in that room. And I just I think I like him more than pretty much all the other running backs that are still available. And with a good amount of both quarterbacks and wide receivers left, I'll take the last real viable running back for me. Yeah, that's pretty much the last one. I'm almost on my list. So I'll, I'll go back to... Um... We keep bringing up draft capital, and to get Jalen Waddle at three hundred three is it seems like kind of kind of a crazy easy choice here. So, like I said, the draft capital he's going to probably end up being a guy that's taken in the middle of the first round, just a, a playmaking guy with crazy crazy speed. I do worry a little bit about him being more of a gadget guy, but I mean, he what he brings to the table, he's a, a lot better technical receiver than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Um, he's versatile, can be played in the slot, do screens. They they had him running taking handoffs and he has a pretty good amount of physicality for his build as well so is he six five ten one eighty two so you know not the biggest guy in the world but he was not afraid to hit people and not afraid to go over the middle as well so i'll take jalen waddle here at 303 that's a pretty easy choice and kind of surprised he made it this far so i am oh man okay i have to fade this one more time all right so i'm gonna go with one of my guys again um <laughs> so i'm gonna go with rondale moore um I, here was my mantra in in Debbie land with, with, with Rondell Moore. I said, and leading up to 2020, I said, if you like Jalen Reger, which I do, and I haven't lost any steam on him, uh, a lot of things gone wrong in his rookie season. I said, I said, if you like Jalen Reger, you're going to love Rondell Moore because he's a better version. So uh, Rondell Moore, I mean, this guy, <laughs> I mean, watch some of his workout videos. He is Pound for pound, I mean, he may be the best prospect in the past 20 years at wide receiver on paper. Uh, this guy, uh, actually, I looked up. He's in the top 1% of my projection model, and the, all, all the other guys are over 200 pounds. So he's the only guy under 200 pounds to get that rarefied air. I think he's going to get round one pedigree, and like I said, back half of round one, watch him land on one of these really good offenses that already has a good wide receiver to take attention away, has a strong quarterback. He's going to waltz in here getting single coverage all day. This is going to be this is going to be fun to watch. It's going to be one of those popcorn players that right away you just see it. He's going to be a tough cover, uh, one of the best short shuttles I've ever seen. Change of direction, thick guy on the bottom half. Today's NFL with motions, jet sweeps, uh, use him all over the formation. Uh, again, I think he's going to have the pedigree. He certainly has the profile. And uh, again, just one of my guys, just like AJ Dillon. And if I didn't walk away from this draft with him, uh, I, I think I'd be doing myself a disservice. I'm going to be honest. I only took James Robinson because I thought I could get Rondale Moore this time around. I'm glad and I took I couldn't. Him. Honestly, I, the Chiefs are going to take him. Oh my God. Don't even tease. Don't you tease me. Uh, he seems like the exact type of player that Andy Reid wants. He should be there in the back at 32. They have Tyree Kill and um, they add him. This is going to be unfair. They're, Super Bowl 2022. They're, let's just say it right now. And 23 and probably 24. Uh, there's already uh, very few ways to defend this offense. And, and I think Moore feels like the exact player that they would target there. Uh, hopefully it doesn't happen because I'm not a Chiefs fan, but they are fun to watch. I will go ahead and take Zach Wilson here. Um, I don't really love the player. I, I think he does a lot of things well. He doesn't really excel in that many areas to me, but 
he's going to be probably a top five NFL pick at the most premium position there is in the league. And I think that means he will probably start almost immediately. I could see him sitting for a few games, if not an entire year. Honestly, I think that may benefit him. This is my fourth quarterback I've drafted, mainly because I think value just keeps falling to me and I like the players. I tend to side with draft capital over a lot of things. I think Wilson is mobile. He's not necessarily a runner, but I think he's mobile and can create for himself. Uh, He has a strong arm, and I I think he... I'm a little nervous about the significant improvement he made this year. Um, uh, His tape from 2018-2019 did worry me a little bit. I know he battled some injuries, uh, looked a lot better, so uh, I will take a shot here. Um, I think he could be a a high-end QB2 in fantasy, and I... That's really all I have. All right. Well, I'm going to take the the 2022 number one overall draft pick, Sam Howell, here. What? Eventually, Chad's not going to have any quarterbacks if you and I keep taking him, Joseph. He's going to have a really good team, but no quarterback <laughs> in a Superflex League. You didn't so. say this was a startup. <laughs> you didn't say this was all I had. The goalposts keep uh, moving. I, I know. I, just, I, I love Sam Howell, man. He's He's like the... He's mobile enough, you know, but he, he would like to see him be a little more mobile. Other than that, he's he fits like the traditional pocket passer. He's got a great arm, drives the ball to downfield, improvises, makes plays, r- goes through his progressions. I thought this year he played a little less reckless than he did last year, which was good to see. I'm a little worried about how he's going to do next year. He lost. He's losing a lot of weapons in this draft, and he's got a couple good freshmen coming in, and or a sophomore and a good freshman coming in as well for wide receivers. But I'm a little worried about how he's going to handle next year. Uh, he might give you a buy low window, though. So I, I, if he does for some reason struggle, I think he is the real deal, and I'll happily take him at 306 as my quarterback four or whatever the heck. Just we are to, now, just so. to make a, a commentary <laughs> thing on maybe why I haven't taken uh, a Devi quarterback or well, I haven't found the value with some of the rookies in last year's class for quarterback yet. But this is interesting because so you get Sam Howell taken just now and. Also, uh, who was the other quarterback that was taken for next year? Um, oh, just Howell. Jeez. Just Howell. Yeah, well, it. I think it, the yep. interesting part is I was going to ask you, Dwight, what do you think the odds are that, that Howell is the quarterback one off the board next year? It'll either be him or Rattler. I mean, I, it's – Okay. Yeah. And I'm, well, so do you put it yeah. at like 60%, 70% it's Howell? I think 60, yeah. It, okay. It, it's close, right. though. Because yeah. I think – because I, I think, you know, between two or three guys, I mean, I think it's a little more competitive than, you know, anyone being over 50% per se. So it, there is a risk, and especially, the, you know, the down final year factor and a lot of variables. And we don't really have a Trevor Lawrence-type prospect, you know, or or that type, which makes me a little uneasy investing in Y plus one. So that would be – that's sort of my reasoning on why I haven't jumped in. I do like, you know, Radler and Howell and, and these other guys. Um, I'm going to go with, though, and kind of locking in – and this is a, like a KD flower mantra just to to channel uh and uh is that you know if you can lock in strong pedigree of the current class then you better have a really darn good reason to go out with the variables of a still in college player with with time to go you know where injury could change things a down year and just a different trajectory so i'm going to take trey lance um i really like lance in terms of he reminds me of josh allen in this way that he has elite rushing upside And this is of a class with four or five quarterbacks with elite rushing potential. But I think he has the most of all of them uh, when you kind of look at his profile. So with today's NFL, 
he of all the rookie quarterbacks, I think he's the one. If you tell me in the first couple years one of these guys runs for 800 plus yards, I think that's him. Um, and, and I'll give him the the front runner odds of that. Now he's a project as a passer. He's not a project like Josh Allen was perceived to be entering the NFL. So with Lance, we saw a lot from him uh, before this year. Uh, what my favorite thing from him is he played the whole year, won the national title, didn't lose a game, and he, how about this? Didn't have a turnover. How do you play a whole season of legitimate non-arena league, you know, non-pickup league in your in your park and not have one turnover? So, again, he can protect the ball. He's, a, again, up and down as a passer uh, with accuracy, even though the numbers say that, you know, completion rate and stuff, that he was accurate. You see plenty of balls. But he's got huge arm, big-time runner, this sound, and I think he's going to go top ten, top twelve in the NFL draft. So I'm going to lock in that pedigree. Yeah, one of the one of the quarterbacks left for next year may end up going one on one or a little higher. But I'm going to get it this year that I know Trey Lance is going to go high enough to have really good odds. And, and again, I think he's going to be even if he sits for a year, uh, that developmental and that upside as a runner is going to equate firmly to mid QB two or better fantasy wise. I love Lance, man. Yeah, it was between Howell and Lance for me. Um, I think of this this is uh, this quarterback class, I think Lance has the highest upside of everybody in the class. But I think he also has a potential to be very, very a very low C yeah. a bust rate. You know, he's he's got a pretty good chance of busting. You know, I yeah, I like that pick, man. All right, Joe. No more quarterbacks, you man. There's still three left. Um no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's still a lot um, left. I regretted not taking Lance uh, over Wilson the second I said Wilson, but I will go ahead and take another first round receiver. I will uh, lock in Jerry Judy here. Uh, I think he was who a lot of people considered the wide receiver one entering last year's class seemed to be able to get open, not necessarily at will, um, but his um, prowess as a route runner carried over to the NFL level. Um, he struggled mightily catching the ball, which was not something I expected based on uh, what he showed at Alabama. And Cortland Sutton is coming back, but I don't necessarily view that as a negative for Judy. I think he would benefit from not having to face top coverage every week. Um, And I think that'll allow him uh, to flourish a little bit more. I think he has a safe floor as a, a fantasy wide receiver three. And I think he has the upside to be like a wide receiver two week in and week out. And for a player with first round draft capital uh, coming from a strong program uh, in an offense with good weapons and just no quarterback, I think that's the last piece that they really need in order for him to really uh, continue ascending. I don't necessarily think they're going to get that answer this year, Um, but Judy is a player that I haven't really lost much faith in long-term. So I will take him at the three whatever we're at. I'm not very good at this. <laughs> three, eight, three, eight. All right. Three, nine. This is two tight ends. So I'm going to take Brevin Jordan here. And I love this. Taking him this late is, is just, I, I think it's a great, great value. Um, he's got that potential to be the, the mismatch that you look for at tight end these days. Um, I like his speed off the line. He creates mismatches. He plays like a wide receiver. He's got hands like a wide receiver. He runs routes like a wide receiver. Um, not the greatest blocker, but it's something he's working, you know, he has put work in on, uh, just, he's so freaking smooth. Like I love his, he's just agile, catches everything thrown in his direction. So I, I love Brevin Jordan at 309. I think it's a pretty good, pretty good take in a two tight end. So Brevin Jordan's got the potential to be like a true difference maker. So I like it. 
Jed's your last pick, bud. Last pick. It's a sad, sad day. Cue the taps. Um, yeah, I mean, fun, fun, fun exercise for sure. Um, I am going to break the seal. I will draft a quarterback. Um, uh, again, I, I, I waited. I kind of wanted some good, good bang for my buck, and I didn't really feel like opting in for – 2022 QB1, you know, off the board was was it. I think you needed to clear out at least the four quarterbacks from this year's class to to really get some equity for for next year. I'm going to go with Spencer Rattler. Um, I think he's got plenty of arm talent. You know the numbers are going to be there in that Oklahoma system. I've actually been a little surprised with some early development, guys like Marvin Mims and and a couple other early, early risers in terms of the weapons. They're not really the pedigree and the big name right away of like a C.D. Lamb and, and some of these previous iterations, uh, D.D. Westbrook, you know, that uh, of these producers at wide receiver. But like the weapons, Austin Stogner, and I just think Radler, uh, you know, you see him getting stronger. He came in with a slight build. The arm talent's there for him to be quarterback one off the board next year. I think at worst, he's going to probably be in that QB three range with chance for, again, one or two. Um, but again, I, I, I'll i gladly take later than QB one prices here. And uh, again, super flex. I, I think when you can find Debbie quarterbacks at a at a reasonable price where you do have that big upside and they're only a year away. You know, we've seen the Christian Hackenbergs where if you take them after their freshman year, they can explode like a grenade and take your hand off. So you, you really got to be careful with how much longer they have because in addition to building their profile, they can also mess it all up. So um, I'll take Spencer rather here to close out my draft. Yeah, I love the Rattler pick. Uh, he's my, I, I go back and forth. I think I like the traits on Rattler more than I like the traits on Howell uh, coming from a bigger name program. Uh, and you know, he already has his weapons for next year. Uh, Hazelwood came back late this year from his ACL tear uh, Mims. Uh, so I, I like Rattler's situation and I trust Lincoln Riley, uh, just to coach up his quarterbacks. So love the Rattler pick. There are so many directions I could take my last pick. There is another tight end in this class that I really like that in a two tight end format intrigues me. I'm not going to go that way. I will take Jalen Rager here. Um, so similar to my rationale on the Judy pick, uh, quarterback, competency is a major concern here uh rager showed way less than judy did uh was hurt for half the season seemed disinterested for the other half of the season but the absolute the talent is there the athleticism is there um i have faith that they will eventually figure out the quarterback situation whether that's jalen hurts or carson wentz uh or someone else and again first round draft pedigree for a player i really really liked coming into the year um, I think he's fallen enough here that I think he's worth taking a chance on over some of the unknowns in the 2022 class. So that's that's who I'm going with. Uh, I believe he could be uh, the Eagles' uh, top receiving option this year, and I don't know how much that's worth on a floundering offense, but I don't think they can be worse than last year, and I would hope that Rager is healthier than he was last year. And with a full... Uh, I don't know if it's going to be a normal offseason uh, with the pandemic still going on, but uh, to have some sense of at least understanding what the playbook could look like and uh, having an entire season under his belt, uh, I think Rager should progress from what he showed in year one. I wanted to go 2022 wide receiver, but I think I'll take the last 2021 wide receiver that I, that I would take in this exercise here. I'll go with Terrace Marshall. I like his size, the, the top end speed. 
Uh, I think he needs to work a little bit on his route tree, um, but I do like his physicality, the body control. I think he's got a potential to be a very good wide receiver too. So uh, at this point, I think that's pretty much what you're looking for. Uh, there's a couple guys in 2022 that I really, really liked, but I can't go that route. I don't want to get yelled at by Chad again <laughs> or Katie. So, um, <laughs> no, I totally understand it. Like at some point you, you do want the production now. So I get it. So I'll take Terrace Marshall to wrap this draft out. He's- can I uh, can I ask two questions just on a Debbie front since uh, I have a couple Debbie guys here? Um, so how close were you guys to the two guys I was kind of thinking about Debbie-wise? Like I have Isaiah Spiller a little ahead of Brees Hall, and I know that might be a hot take or an unconventional or non, you know, non-mainstream take there. And the fact that Brees Hall went a full round ago, I mean, were either of you close on, on Isaiah Spiller to pulling the trigger with one of these last picks? And then the other one would be, you know, we really didn't break the seal on wide receivers uh, for Debbie. Was was David Bell close? Because those were two guys I had. I, I, I stacked up my board, and I was like, well, they're co- sort of in that 30, 35, 40 range. So I was like, I don't know or don't think I'll get a chance to draft them, but they're right on that line. For yeah. Me. In my the board that I built, I had David Bell 34, and we went 36 okay. picks deep. So uh, Bell, yeah. Pickens, uh, Garrett Wilson, Spiller were all there for me. Uh, Traylon Burks was close. So I almost went. Yeah, Chenault was a a great name from this year's class. The reason he fell was injury yeah. concerns. He didn't go. Pat Fryermuth didn't go. Who I expected to go. Uh, I almost took him over Rager. And there's Jalen Hurts, Mac Jones. Uh, there's a number of really exciting players that we didn't get to in our three rounds that I think could have gone very soon. Uh, and I think had we gone a yeah. few more picks, we would have gotten a few 2022 guys. Yeah, Dwight, because you were the one that took a round ago, Brees Hall. I mean, was 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 uh, either of those guys I mentioned with with Spiller and Bell like were they especially Spiller? I mean, was he next, or do you clearly have it? I mean, giant line below uh, Brees Hall, and then Spiller below that somewhere. Uh, it's a pretty good line, yeah. Spiller, okay. Spiller's Spiller's right there at number two, and I mean, I think Zamir White's got a chance to really raise his draft spot draft stock to um zach charbonnet if he does something at ucla or yeah i mean there's a couple I was really surprised that mir white didn't come out you i know, was for too. not being an overly strong class he was eligible he's kind of old for his i mean he's a redshirt sophomore so he's a three-year out player already but the fact that he's not like 21.5 or something like that so now he's returning i obviously he can improve his resume with the you know the injury history and durability factor but i mean he it's interesting to see that he didn't get drafted in this, and I think that's the right call by all of us, just because of the variance and the fact that he could easily be some day three guy, you know. So that's a really tough floor to kind of invest in when we have last year's class, this year's class, etc. Of more known draft position and guys that have already built some profile beyond what Samir White has done. Yeah, he just scares me. I love the talent, and I don't know if he's necessarily gotten back to where he was coming out of high school, but I've gotten burned. I mean, Todd Gurley had a tremendous career. As short as it was, he was the RB1 for a few years. But I've gotten scared from players with uh, both knee injuries or degenerate. Well, Marshawn Lattimore, right? Yeah. I mean, one more injury is Zamir White really different than Marshawn Lattimore, who got drafted on day three by the 49ers, and it pretty much just never came back together. And he was a, I mean, drop your jaw freshman phenom talent at uh, South Carolina that just, man, what we could have had with him without all yeah. those injuries. Oh. 
All right, Chad. Tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, what you're working on. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, so we've got the, the UTH draft guide. Uh, that'll be out. It's pre-order now, but you can find that on the UTHdynasty.com uh, homepage. So that'll be out. I think it's the first day or two of April, um, but you get a pre-draft version um, and then you're going to get the post-draft update there. Obviously doing podcasting, uh, premium side things, 250 shows a year. Um, there, Right now there's a series uh, debuting uh, where it's about an eight-part series on dynasty trading. Uh, so we go through all different scenarios and it's about not specifically players. This is a an evergreen document of each show's 20 to 40 minutes looking at, well, how do you trade in a startup draft? How do you trade in a rookie draft? How do you deal with rookie picks involved with trading? Uh, how do you view you know trading as a, uh, an elite team or a poor team? Uh, those types of settings that I don't see a lot of people going over in depth. So I really wanted to go on a little bit of a rabbit hole journey of, of having a bunch of bullet points recording those shows that I can point people back to. Uh, but that's the type of thing. You're going to get these exploratory projects in addition to all the data and, and metrics analytics that you need to have your best, uh, you know, Devi draft, rookie draft, startup draft, dynasty trading in the existing leagues, um, all that good stuff over at utsdynasty.com. So thanks guys for having me. I mean, this was a really fun, uh, really fun experiment. And I know, you, I think you mentioned it as cornerstone rankings, you know, where you look at multiple classes and it really causes you to, uh, to stress in terms of, well, how do I actually feel about future value versus current value versus already one year in the books value, which I think is a, a pretty instructive exercise. It is. All right, Joseph, what are you working on, bud? Where are you finding you on Twitter? Um, so I am on Twitter at jnamore24. Uh, you can find all of my work over at dlfdynastyleaguefootball.com. We do have cornerstone rankings over there. Um, so if you enjoyed today's exercise uh, where we went through the 2020, 2021, and 2022 classes, uh, we do have one quarterback rankings over there that go 75 players deep where you can kind of see how the five or six rankers stack up these players in various classes against one another. I think having gone through this exercise, um, I'm going to have to go back to my rankings and maybe move things around a little bit. <laughs> but that's really the, the fun of stuff like this is to challenge yourself and your way of thinking and see what other people think and uh, debate and go back and iterate. And I, I'm excited to go back and take a look at those. Um, as I've mentioned on the past couple shows, I'm working on my top 100 2021 rookies article i finalized my big board so just the massive write-up is what's left so uh hoping to have that churned out in the next week or so um so you can look for that in the next couple weeks congrats i just want to say joseph i mean having a two, uh, top 100 big board first of all is a massive achievement because anyone that puts that together knows how big of a deal it is uh, because going deep like that and deeper than you have to go for 99% of rookie drafts, but going through the process uh, of getting that together in early February, um, kudos for anyone that does rankings. When people talk about rankings, there's much appreciation because you know, you're, if you're a regular dynasty or Devi owner, you don't have to do rankings. You just have to say who you like and draft them. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. All right. No, I was just going to say, I, I both appreciate that, but I, as someone that liked to consume those types of deep dives uh, before I started creating my own content, I mean, most of the people that will read it uh, won't even need to know the last 50 names on there, but it's good to at least have seen those names once before in case they end up getting strong draft capital or land in favorable situations, and you can at least go back and refer to something you've seen and use it as a reference point, so... Appreciate that, and uh, we'll see how it turns out.
Yeah, and I gotta I gotta check out that the the trading series because I suck at trading. I love trading, but I, but I'm terrible at it. I just for some reason can can never win a trade. Like almost every trade I pull off, it gets thrown on Twitter, and I lose every single damn one of them. So <laughs> at least I'm happy. So, anyways, you can find me on Twitter FF People's Champ. You can find this podcast at Debbie Manual. We have the Debbie Manual YouTube channel with some prospect cut ups, and you can find my writing at Dynasty Nerds. Uh, working on rookie profiles and draft videos that's about it um we'll come back next week uh we'll talk we'll do a five class mock draft no i'm just kidding joseph's like holy shit no uh, <laughs> we'll be back next week um i will talk to you guys next week Don't thanks guys forget about the mountain west the mac that can flex somebody is next ivy league fresh literally dope thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test i'm serious they will talk about the most obscure players on this planet Potentially another planet. Like, dude's got a 4340 from Mars. Like, I don't know. I, it's too much. I'm done. I'm gone this time. Like, don't bring it back in. Enjoy your podcast.